first of all, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of misinformation and there's not a lot of facts. And that's an issue that we have with this industry because people will buy on speculation and sell on facts. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now it's time to get a bit cryptic. What I really like about New Orleans is it's very similar to Vegas. You could party in the streets, you could drink in the streets, there's no prohibition against open container. The one major difference is the casinos are patrolled, maintained, and cleaned versus New Orleans where it's individual shop owners and so they don't really maintain the streets. And what I noticed was around 4 a.m. all these bars are cleaning their, you know, in kitchens are cleaning their rubber mats from their kitchens and their, their bar trays on the streets. And so that's one of the main differences, but very similar in the fact that you can walk around and drink very similar in the fact that people go there to you know get messed up and have fun and really release and and let loose gotcha gotcha by the way for those of you who just joined which is everyone because the podcast just started oh nice Today, we are with Daryl DiPietro, did I pronounce that right? Mm -hmm. Who is president and CEO of Coincierge Club, Coincierge, not Concierge, which is a fintech blockchain solution for point of sale transactions. Basically, any business that has a cash register, they're going to be enabling, and they already are, enabling the use of cryptocurrency. So in today's episode, we want to talk about community building, how this industry is going to potentially crash and burn if we don't learn to work together and, and really form cohesive communities. But also, Daryl has a background in the nightlife industry. So we were just talking about, you know, the differences between cities because, you know, I'm based out of Miami and he's based out of Las Vegas. So he's a lot of experience about that. So we're just shooting the shit about that. So anyway, it's great to have you on the show, Daryl. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I mentioned a little bit about your background, but could you give us a little more uh, full-fleshed view of, of what you're about and where you come from? Absolutely. So I started off in web and graphic design school, was bored out of my mind with that, changed my major to film, went down to LA, produced a bunch of TV shows for MTV, worked with Bob Yari, worked with Universal, moved out to Vegas, got involved in the nightlife industry, managed some of the biggest nightclubs in Vegas. I owned my own hosting company for about two and a half years, and then regulations changed in nightlife, and that made me shift back to my tech background. So I instantly got a job at Google. I was an entry-level position as a phone agent. I worked my way up to operations within two months, two and a half months. And so I worked on the Google Play Store, Google Play Store third-party verticals and any you know inconsistencies with the operating system. If you had problems downloading things from the Google Play Store, stuff like that. And so we made sure that that ran smoothly. And then I found out about blockchain. I actually got ripped off into the blockchain industry. Not a lot of money, but... Someone I, getting ripped off in the blockchain industry? What? That never happens to anybody. I know. It's crazy, right? But yeah, so I lost a little bit of money, but it was the best uh, loss of an investment that I ever made because it introduced me to this world of trusted systems. It introduced me to this world of decentralized systems. And that's something that I really play on because, you know, growing up in Connecticut, I never fit the mold of what, you know, you're supposed to be this preppy, you know, go to, you know, Harvard, go to Yale, go to Holy Cross, get your, you know, masters and go work at a bank. And that's not me. Um, I moved to San Francisco. I enjoy the arts. I live, you know, obviously live in Vegas now and I just enjoy that more free spirit that's out there in those cities. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm from California, so I, I get it. It's I went to school in Berkeley, and I miss that like freedom over there. I mean, Miami's cool, and we're in Art Basel, and has a certain has its own version of freedom and, and the Latin American influence, and all that. But 
There's definitely something special about the Bay Area for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I think that the Bay Area actually opened up my visual palette. I had not seen the infinite sunsets that they have before. I had never seen Magic Hour before. And within the first week of being in the city, I was in Sonoma, jumping off a you know ravine into a or a tower into some reservoir. I mean, it was just amazing. You could see like I, what I imagined is 100 miles out, which probably wasn't, but it just blew my mind. And so at that point, I started to embrace all these different you know artistic means of graphic design, web design, uh, still draw, you know, painting, fine art, all those things. I started to embrace those and it really uh, gave me a well-rounded palette when it came to uh, art and tech. Right on. Yeah, no, it's it's a great, a great, I can see why the, um, so many people have from tech have, have been drawn to that place in, in the first place. I mean, obviously there was like the whole Silicon Valley of like the Silicon manufacturers and stuff, but as a place to live, it's also cost of living aside, it's a great place. <laughs> yeah, and then that's the other thing. The cost of living was about half of what it, what it is now because I moved there in 2003. And it's interesting. I didn't really, Silicon Valley and myself did not interact. I was there for film. I was there, you know, to accomplish a mission. And so it's almost like coming back there 15 years later and now I'm out in San Jose and now I'm out in Santa Clara Mountain View and, and all over there, but I had never really experienced that last decade. This is all new territory for me, which is really exciting. Um, I enjoy stuff like that. I one I went to this conference last year and I took the afternoon and drove out to Santa Cruz and drove up to PCH and you know really reconnected with my California roots. They're not roots, but you know background. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. By the way, I think we're gonna we should go try to get a sponsorship from like the San Francisco and California Tourism Board after talking about it for a solid five minutes. So I want to transition now. You have this view that, you know, community building is something that's super, super important in blockchain. Absolutely. Probably the most quintessential thing I think you were saying. And, and what do you think goes into that? Why is it important? And what can we do about it? Well, it's absolutely important because if we don't come together as a whole, we're going to get squashed by these major, major, major entities. We're going to get squashed by big banks. We're going to get squashed by the governments. But if we come together and we represent a larger class or a larger group, then we would essentially be unstoppable. It wouldn't rest within a government's boundaries. It wouldn't rest within one banking entity's jurisdiction. And that's truly what we're fighting right now is the fact that that, you know, I'm one company. We have 23 employees. We are located in the United States. If the U.S. decided to shut down blockchain, we would either have to move or shut down. But if we, you know, we do, and, and if we had rolled this out further, but you know, let's say we had a major operating partner in another country and the U.S. shot this down or shut this down, we would just shift to that country. And so we still wouldn't be able to get shut down. And I know that there's a proponents out there that'll say, oh, you know, you know, you can't go to every country and they're going to eventually ban all blockchain, but it's not you could go to Antarctica where there's no government and you could still run a blockchain operation out there. And so with that basicness, they can't stop it. With that simple, simple solution of there is places that have no government jurisdiction and that the banks can't control, we know that there's opportunities. So what we need to do is we need to align. All fintech companies need to start talking to each other. If you have a fintech wallet, we want to talk to you. We want to connect you to our database. There's no reason why your QR code scanner can't scan one of our QR codes and pull data off our database. And that's, you know, not to get too much into what we're doing. That's the type of community building that we have to have. We've got to get companies together. We've got to get social media influencers to start working together because everybody's running around with their own thing and their own show and their own this and that. But where's the community involved in that? And I think World CryptoCon really 
really tried to do that a few months ago and I would say executed fairly decently. There was a... What's World CryptoCon? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, World CryptoCon is an event that was held at the Aria on the 10-year anniversary of the white paper for Bitcoin. In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. So in Las Vegas, Nevada, on Halloween, you've got 5,000 crypto enthusiasts, about 100 social media influencers. I would say 200 businesses, 200 crypto space businesses all coming together. And that was really where we started to see some true networking and some true you know, boundaries being broken down and people actually working together. And I was really impressed. It could have been executed slightly better, but I think that they did a great job and there's definitely uh, something to build off of going forward. But it shouldn't take one event to do that. It should be something that we all want to do. It should be something that you look, oh, you're in this space? Let me see how my business can interact with yours. Let me see how I can help your business. And if you help one person every day, that's 365 businesses that you helped in a year. What's that going to do to our industry? Yeah, I mean, they talk about in uh, in business school. Not that I've ever been, but um, I took one semester. Yeah, <laughs> one semester CSN 2013. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> for all the homies but they always talk about making win-win deals right I think and this is something I, I tell other people you know I, so I used to be like a, a dating coach teaching guys how to meet women and stuff and like I know really random that's nice but one of the things we talk about like with meeting people meeting women meeting anybody is that you should just be constantly uh, giving value and not really expecting much in return mm-hmm. and who, the people who are really the most successful in life are the ones who just know how to give a shit ton mm-hmm. Granted, you can get screwed over if you give to the wrong people. And so you should learn to be like, you know, learn to recognize bad personalities and all that. I've got some boundaries up with stuff like that only because I've been burned prior with being a little bit too trustworthy. But that's why blockchain is brilliant, because it takes the need for trust out of things. And it allows us to see these transactions as they are with full transparency. Exactly. Yeah. No, and I think we had um, Dow Stack, if, you, if you're familiar with them, on the show. They're essentially trying to make a decentralized governance, like as a as a whole system, and like allowing people to change their governance structures. Basically, they're making like a a WordPress for for blockchain DAOs. Hmm. Anyway, super interesting stuff. But their whole their whole shtick is like you know, community is the killer app of blockchain, and that if you can use blockchain to create those communities, it can be a facilitator. I mean, obviously, we need to do it in real life as well with these events. And uh, I find it ironic, you know, that we have these, like, centralized conferences. But, you know, we have we have what we have right now. And, you know, we'll work our way to the well, ideal. It's, it's important to be able to see which conferences are really helping and which ones are just there for profit. And, again, not to plug that conference, but they did a great job. They took coin from developers versus fiat currency and allowed some businesses that maybe couldn't afford to go to other conferences to be able to go to that conference. And I think that's also important. You know, one thing that we've done on our road map is not having raised a ton of funds is we've made deals in our cryptocurrency and we've got about 14 million in executable contracts out there right now in our crypto but it's allowed us to get a lot further along in the industry and in our roadmap by being able to essentially you know overcome one of the hardest things which is raising capital congratulations well well thank you very much so Let's talk about things not to do for community building. We were talking, uh, we were smack talking a little bit earlier on uh, some bad actors. What are some things that you shouldn't do? I don't know if you're willing to name people or not. I don't, it's, it's up no, to you yeah, if you want to, sure. but what are some do nots? Like what are some things that we like the people in the crypto community are you are doing to like break down community and, and causing trouble? Yeah. So uh, first of all, there's a lot of hype. And there's a lot of misinformation and there's not a lot of facts. And that's an issue that we have with this industry because people will buy on speculation and sell on facts. And that hurts companies like 
ourselves, which are trying to stay as ethically sound as we can, are trying to stay as morally sound as we can, and these companies will say, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, and we're going to blow up, we're going to do this, and then they fizzle out. But they raised $20 million, or they raised $10 million. And it's because of speculation. It's because of hype. And that's a problem. Now, having a nine-month, ten-month bear market kind of changed that because you can't buy on hype anymore. As companies are getting, people are getting burned. I mean, we were talking about a company earlier that uh, was listed in a presentation. And I just asked straight up, hey, what do you think of that? And we all chuckled one mention of that company's name and we chuckled but it's because they came out and they said they were going to execute on something and they didn't they said that they were going to create an entire new class in the space and they didn't all they did was issue tokens on someone else's platform and call them something that they're not and what they called them also shouldn't be involved in the industry because it includes the necessity of having an accredited investor and that's not what crypto is about so without you're talking about security tokens uh, maybe <laughs> you know, I, again, I don't want to put shade on anybody. I think we all know who we're talking about here. But, you know, it's stuff like that. There's another uh, crypto that's out there that we were talking about that has a portion of their tokens tied up on the Ethereum network. Now, what does that do? That bags the Ethereum network down. And we all know CryptoKitties took the network down. So we've got issues with that platform as well. But then this other, you know, the other platform, the other blockchain that couldn't fully launch their mainnet they're not they're failing to execute now so you know people have invested all this money i think it was one of the higher grossing icos and they're not doing anything where we i go to these conferences you don't see those coins you see new emerging businesses you see new concepts new companies that have built technology that are finally getting to the market with it and i think that's important look for real products look for real people look for people you can find on the internet that have your forward-facing websites that have their information on there i mean if they don't show the team how are you going to invest in something if you can't get a hold of the founder why are you investing in something and that's important in such an early space because let's be clear i mean nobody older than a decade in this space. Nobody's really older than, I would say, eight years in this space. And so what are we really expecting out of it? We should have these companies. We should see tech. We should be able to send in independent third-party evaluators to check for vulnerabilities. And none of that stuff's happening. Yeah, there's a lot of internal regulation that doesn't... I guess the, the internal regulation that's happening is this, the investors have stopped investing and now mm -hmm. the fat is being trimmed. 100% the fat is getting trimmed and it's a great thing because, again, companies with real products are still succeeding. Companies that have real products in the space, their values are going up while you know, coins are dropping off left and right. And it's important to do your due diligence. It's important to do your research. And if something seems like it's a little overzealous, back off. There's no reason why you can't get a second opinion. There's no reason why you can't, you know, maybe not put in as much as you wanted if something seems intangible or not going at all. I mean, there is too much speculation in the space and we really need to come together as founders and as developers and help each other out. We need to team up and go against these for-profit conferences. We need to go against companies that are willing to take anybody's buck for an interview. I mean, the conference that I went to in San Francisco last year, uh, well, last weekend last year, BitConnect was there last year. BitConnect! BitConnect, they're still around? No, no, this is last year. This is November of 2017. BitConnect had a booth at the North American Blockchain Expo. You would think that they would have vetted that project, but they didn't. And there you have it. What I did notice at this year's is that they didn't have any big names. They didn't have any of the big cryptos. I met Vinny from Civic and became a partner of theirs at this conference last year. 
nowhere to be found this year. So it's it's interesting. Do these companies don't want to pay the money anymore? Are they? Is it these conferences are just charging way too much money? Are they not willing to work with companies and accept cryptocurrency? And I think that's important. Is who's willing to help advance the industry? You have to analyze who's actually in it for the industry versus who's in it for profit. Also speaking just from like uh, experience um, working with a bunch of crypto companies, so a lot of these companies like have basically felt like these conferences were a waste of time. So like some of the more veteran companies have been going to a lot of these conferences. I've heard from them. They're like, I don't want to go anymore because like it's a waste of my time. So I could see that as being a reason maybe that some of these companies aren't showing up or maybe it could be what you're talking about as well. Well, I mean, while I agree with what they're saying, that's only for crypto specific events. So yes, you can go to a crypto conference and there's going to be 20 or maybe even five, depending on what conference or a hundred cryptocurrency companies and you might not get what you want out of it because everybody that's presenting there is looking for money and I'm pretty sure if you're a founder of a crypto company you're also looking for money and so the investors aren't necessarily walking around these crypto conferences but what's important is to go to other types of conferences we go to a lot of startup conferences we go to a lot of fintech conferences we go to a lot of you know third-party tech like AI and robotics NFC things like that and that's how you build a well-rounded staff. That's how you build a well-rounded product is bringing in people from other industries to help you advance your product. Makes sense. And I assume also it's probably more fun for you guys because you're more interesting to them versus in crypto conferences, everyone's like, you know, like for like not to make fun of you guys, but I know of like at least like 10 other POS crypto companies. So it's like for me, yep. I'm like, I'm like, okay, you're another one of these guys versus you're more novel in these other conferences. So it's mm-hmm. legitimately more interesting for you and for them to, to meet someone they haven't really met before in terms of what they're doing. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, the fintech solution that we built is the first step in our roadmap. We need to have a point of sale in the space so that we can roll out some of our other products, uh, which involve renewable energy, which involve international trade routes. So, I mean, it's it's bigger than that, but you've got to see the bigger vision in order to build this industry. It can't just be about, oh, look at my coin. Oh, look at this. Oh, I'm going to make all this money. Oh, gains, you know, when moon, when Lambo. No, it's about how do we take this technology that's going to disrupt the entire world and actually do it and actually get there and not think about, oh, what's, what's my exit strategy? I don't have an exit strategy. I'm in this for the end, to the end. And you know, we've turned, we turned on a massive investor because they wanted to change our platform. They wanted to change too many things about our product and we weren't okay with it. And so we've struggled financially because of that. But at the same time, we retained all of the control of the company, which allowed us to not be pressured by traditional venture capitalists. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the big poles of wanting to raise money with cryptocurrencies. Like you have a little more autonomy as a company. You don't have to be beholden to a board of investors that has that completely changes what you guys are trying to do. So, I mean, I'm not going to turn down the right investor, but again, you said it right there, our board, who's on our board right now. We have the two founders on the board and we make sure that the vision of this project stays true to what we set off to do. And that's disrupt. So I want to have a little non sequitur because I'm just curious. It's not every day I get to talk to like a nightlife expert. And for, you know, we're in Miami. This is something very part, part and parcel to like what Miami is about is nightlife, at least in Miami beach. What do you think are some things that people, who have never worked in that industry what are some like hidden things that people don't really know some some surprising things that that having worked in it would surprise people if you told them so just so you guys know i'm from vegas not miami so a lot of people say oh do you live on the strip that's like the first thing just remember the waitress that's serving you she's probably got a family at home the vip host the door host those guys have families at home we go home and we have normal lives we shop at grocery stores we buy clothes we do everything that everybody else does so 
treat service workers the way you would want to be treated because a lot of people kind of take them for granted, especially in uh, Vegas where it's kind of like throwaway promoters and stuff like that. No, these these are people. They have to make sure that they make ends meet. And so it's important to respect your service workers. Respect them in summary. So uh, we're running about 20 minutes here. I know you have to go soon. Do you have any closing thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? Anything else that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think it's important that we make sure that we stay true to what we're doing, and that's decentralization. That's going up against these big companies and saying enough is enough. You've controlled the money. You've controlled the finance. You've controlled uh, supply chain. You've controlled way too much for way too long, and it doesn't belong to you. And it's just because you've got money that you're able to do it. And we figured out, the nerds figured out a way, we figured out a way to disrupt this thing. And it's coming. And so you either embrace it or you lose. And I know that I'm on the embracing side, but it's important to recognize people around you and support them. If you've got somebody that is involved in crypto and you don't understand crypto, ask them questions. If they're starting a business, help them. I mean, I read something the other day that, you know, people are more inclined to go to a big box store than they are to help their friends with a startup business or with their own owner-operated business. That's a problem. If you're more inclined to give Macy's money or Target money than your friend with a little, you know, corner store or a clothing line or an online store, you're the problem. So fix that. I mean, stop spending money at Target. Stop spending money at Walmart. Stop spending money at these big, massive companies and help out smaller local businesses. I think one thing that's really cool about what we were able to do is there's a bar in Las Vegas that a friend of mine from the nightlife industry manages or owns. And I asked him when he was launching it prior to opening, hey, you need a web design stuff? And he's like, yeah, but I don't have the budget for that. And I'm like, dude, you've hooked me up so much in nightlife. You give me free bottles. You've told off people at the door because of me. Like, what? yeah, this guy gets whatever he wants. So we did all his web and graphic design for him. Well, what does he do? He turns around and allows us to put our fintech solution in there. And he allows customers to pay for beer with our coin, not Bitcoin, well, with Bitcoin as well. But more importantly, with our altcoin, you can pay for a beer and there's no fiat in that transaction whatsoever. And that's what's different about us than a lot of these other fintech solutions. I know you said you know about 10 other fintech solutions. We've got 21,000 supported assets on our platform. We can do 250,000 files per second on 100 PHP scripts, which I know it's a lot of information. It means we're fast. It means we're the fastest out there. And so we want to take this fintech solution, put it out there so that we can then disrupt other industries and allow consumers who normally don't get to participate in these markets, like renewable energy, to spend energy credits on things like groceries and gasoline. And that's the basic motive of what we're doing is we want people to be able to spend crypto on everything. And then we want them to be able to make money with crypto off everything else. Well said. So TLDR, they're fast, and also you guys are all the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Spend at local businesses, I think something that's said a lot uh, thrown around these days, but it it makes a big difference. You know, if you you care about your local community, you spend money in your local community and help it develop with and vote with your vote with your wallet so where can people find more about you guys uh you can go to coincierge.club and that's c-o-i-n-c-i-e-r-g-e dot c-l-u-b my name is daryl d-a-r-r-y-l-l you can email me directly at daryl at coincierge.club i'm happy to answer any questions i'm happy to help anybody willing to get involved i don't even care if you don't even ask me about coincierge if you want to talk crypto i'm here that's what i love and it i'm so passionate about this industry because it's given me an opportunity to get back back into tech. It's given me an opportunity to, when I got regulated out of nightlife, 
I'm now in the space with a disruptor of nightlife in the crypto space. So it's a very interesting how all the cards played in this one. So basically, you get to give a giant middle finger into the nightlife space that, that betrayed you, but, but help Hakusan them out. Hakusan Group, let's be clear. This is a big middle finger to Hakusan Group. Yeah, but you're helping them everyone out as a whole, so. Absolutely. But not Hakusan. No, not Hakusan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. And let's get back to the cocktail party. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to A Bit Cryptic Podcast. A Bit Cryptic Podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep it cryptic.